Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999. I am your host, Phil Iskov, and with me today is past, present, and future guest, I'm sure, Emmy Potter, uh, writer, actor. She wrote for Bright Wall, Dark Room, and Consequence of Sound. Today, we are going to talk about episode 214, The Fuck Buddy, although there's some versions of it that have it under a different title because of, <laughs> I don't know, people being stupid, calling it The Sex Buddy. Not as good a title. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're, we're talking about the fuck buddy today. But um, before we do that, Emmy, I'd like to rewind mm-hmm. to 1999. Did you watch sure. this in 99? I'm assuming not. <laughs> oh, God, no. I was, um, <laughs> I was uh, though I was a precocious uh, child, <laughs> I would have been uh, like 11 years old and we did not have HBO in my house. And sure. there... There's no way I, even though I got to watch a lot of R-rated things, there's no way I would have watched this. Um, so I probably saw this at some point in, I don't know, when I was in high school or college and I caught, I started catching reruns somewhere and then. So early 2000, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Eventually yeah. I would have watched it all uncut and everything, but not in 1999. Certainly not. My Did parents you- are not that liberal. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel like, I mean, it does, I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, obviously I've had a bunch of different people on um, and each of them has sort of their different way of, of of remembering it. Do you remember sort of the impression that it made on you at the time that you saw it? Do you remember it being sort of this um, moment or, because it's, it's a pretty, it's a, you know, it's, it's a groundbreaking show. It's a pretty scandalous show to a certain degree. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I was always so... wasn't watching stuff i I mentioned this in the other episode we did that like i haven't watched any of game of thrones but because i'm so plugged into this world it's like through cultural osmosis i know a lot i remember i remember in high school when sex in the city would have been wrapping up that i remember like sitting in i don't know it was like I, i think i was in like a sociology class or something and i remember one of my girlfriends talking about like the finale as it was airing. And even then I still knew I was like, Oh, you know, is she going to choose big? Is she going to choose Petrovsky? Like I was still invested in a way. Um, (laughs) But I, I do think when I finally started actually watching episodes, I was like, 
a this is like it is um it's very you know quippy and and the writing is is funny and frank and i think having grown up in the midwest in a protestant family um you know it is like a real lesson in a lot of stuff that like i was probably not super aware of I was talking to my boyfriend about this over the weekend and we were both we're not like we were sheltered children but I was like yeah I feel like I actually did learn a lot about sex and relationship stuff from sex in the city along with a bunch of other things but it did feel like it was um, yeah, I mean very frank it it I think part of it too you know is it takes the piss out of it a little bit too, which I think is really important. I mean, I think yeah. that I certainly don't want to project on, on, on your family or your upbringing, but you know, I, I think that this country and by this country, I mean, America yeah. has its hangups with sex, um, perhaps more so than some countries and less so than some countries, depending on sort of the spectrum. I think they fall somewhere in the middle. This is a country that's sort of uh, born on some, uh, very Christian faith kind mm-hmm. of things. So I, I can understand why um, a show like this that is able to find the humor and the heart in letting your freak flag fly and having fun with sex and loving your body and, and all of these very proactive, very positive messages, I think, for the most part. Yeah. Um, I think that's a pretty great thing, but I can also understand how that must have been kind of crazy too to some people, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I think for sure it, it demystifies a lot of um, a lot of stuff and and makes it um, whether it's like kinks or what it do, various things whatever people are into it demystifies a lot of that um, in both good and bad ways uh, because we have so much more information now and people are way more willing to talk about things sure. online and everywhere else. Um, but I do think that that's got people to realize that like women are talking about this and um, that like more so than I think men think we do. And that women are often much more frank about things that are like going on and health issues. And like my, my girlfriend group texts, like, you know, we've texted each other all kinds of crazy things because it's like, I have a question about this. Have you tried that? Have you done this? Like, because you just need somebody to like, reaffirm you know or to like give you answers because you probably didn't get it at home you know but wouldn't you also i mean i agree with everything you're saying and i and i would also sort of piggyback on it and say that it's also the reason why men were so threatened by this show um i think that you know i i personally wasn't uh i'm a big fan of the show i owned all the box sets i i i i enjoyed the fact that these women women were not just talking about these things, but they were talking about it in a funny and heartfelt, genuine way for the most part. Um, But I could also see why this show, you know, um, might not be fun. I mean, it makes me think about, uh, we did an episode for our 1989 Patreon on When Harry Met Sally. And Rob Mm -hmm. Reiner was talking about how he did an early screening of it. And in the fake orgasm scene, the women were howling and the men were silent. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, that speaks volumes to the fact that some yeah. men can't handle, um, you know, the the what this show is saying about them. You know what I mean? And 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 their yeah. inabilities—not necessarily inabilities in the bedroom, but just inabilities in dating—and and what it means to that it's a two-way street. I guess is the thing. And a lot of men, I assume, generations upon generations of men, are under this misconception that it's not. <laughs> and it's you know, yeah, that's. that's that's a problem. Um, but I, I would say that this is an interesting episode in, in the sense that it's about sort of this, this notion of a fuck buddy, I guess, this mm-hmm. notion of a person who is, and it, I mean, a, a genderless notion to a, to a certain degree of people from both sexes that have friends with benefits, people that they, they're go-tos if they're not in a relationship, hopefully, and, uh, and are just looking for someone, you know, for casual sex. Um, which feels like something that I'm assuming existed far before the nineties, but didn't really come into the nomenclature until then. Would you agree? 
Yeah, I think like now it's so like ubiquitous and everyone knows what it is, but I'm not sure that there was like a codified term for it prior to uh, prior to the 90s, prior to kind of sex in the city. I think it was probably just like, you know, in the 70s, they were probably just like, oh, it's my lover, Alan, or who I- That Another was like Sex the, and City thing, yeah. Yeah, it was just like you took the you used that term that was like the catch-all mm-hmm. for everything, and there, you know. But I'm sure that this this it's not like I'm not dumb enough to think that people weren't doing this for a long time, right? Um, but it definitely doesn't seem like this term sort of existed prior to Sex in the City, and now everyone uses it whether it's friends with benefits or they just say my fuck buddy um it it definitely feels like a thing that exists because of sex in the city yeah it it does feel like sex in the city sort of i don't want to say they coined the term because it certainly doesn't feel like they did necessarily but it does feel like perhaps started to gain traction around that time um so do you i mean did this show in any way affect you when it came to dating as opposed to like when you were getting into relationships did you find yourself thinking about this show because there were other shows that obviously i mean listen romance is a big part of most television shows if we're being completely honest so you know yeah. you friends that was on the air at the same time you still had like other shows that were dealing with that but i feel like this show was so frank about it that i wonder if it made more of an impression on you than most um uh, possibly yeah i i think like um it had such like a it had such an impact on the culture period. I think, you know, you know, everybody now is like, Oh, well, are you more of a Carrie? Are you more of a Samantha, Charlotte, Miranda? Um, I tend to take the view that most women are all of them at some point or like a mixture of all of them. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, some people are more pure one way or the other. Sure. But, sure. Um, I, I mean, I think to some degree, uh, listen, I live in New York City. Um, <laughs> it's impossible to date in New York City and not to like immediately think like, oh, my life is just like sex in the city, even though it's not. There's no way anyone could live on East 73rd Street and write like one column a month for a paper. Not now. In an amazing uh, apartment, too, for the in most In an amazing part. apartment, a brownstone yeah. apartment. Um <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think probably it affected me somewhat, but also, um, I, you know, I I have to be honest when I say that I haven't dated that many people and I've done some casual dating and then um, some not so casual dating, sure, which sure. is where I am now. I'm in a, a serious relationship, but um, it... I think it's impossible at this point to date after 1999 and to not feel like that there's some part of you that's like, Oh, this reminds me. And maybe you're a freak like me and you're like, Oh, this reminds me of this like one episode where she did X, Y, Z. Like I, I did actually have a guy break up with me um, via an email, which I did shut down immediately. I was like, no, 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 you're gonna, you're gonna meet me in person. And we're gonna hash this out. Cause I'm not, uh-huh. but I did immediately think I was like, Oh my God, it's like burger the and post-it. the post-it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the yeah. post-it. And this guy thinks he can send me a long post-it um, and, and break up with me. And I was like, no, we're no, you're, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. So um, did you watch yeah. this episode with your boyfriend? I did. Yeah, I did. Um, I'm curious as to what he thought of it. Well, so it's interesting because I had asked him if he'd seen any of Sex in the City and he's only seen the movie. He was like, I thought that would be a good entry point. I was like, that's so like, it's not. Um, So it's like he has an understanding of he's very uh, in. I mean, he loves pop culture. He watches everything. He's very curious about pop culture. So um, he did watch it. And uh he was like, wow, like, do women really talk to each other this way? And I was like, yes, we do. Not, not always to this extent, but, um, also the first thing he said was like, oh my God, it's Liz Lemon's boyfriend, Dennis, because, um, this is true. Dean, Dean Winters is in this episode. Because yeah. Dean Winters is in this episode and yeah. he's Carrie's fuck buddy. Mm-hmm. And 
So my boyfriend immediately is like, oh my God, it's Liz Lemon's boyfriend. And they're kind of like similar characters. Um, (laughs) So yeah, he, I mean, he really enjoyed it. I told him that really he should watch from like season three on and it gets a little different, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, he liked it. (laughs) I think that's interesting. I'm, you know, it's, I've been trying to get people, it's, it's tricky because you want this, when you're in a miniseries, you want people that can speak sort of in depth about the series. But I am also curious as to people who are just like watching one episode and just wondering like, what the fuck was, what, why was this such a big deal? But, um, so just to give a brief synopsis of this episode for the people that haven't seen it, Carrie tries to make a relationship with her quote unquote fuck buddy happen. Miranda dates an abusive condescending lawyer. Charlotte becomes a freewheeling dater and double books dates with two guys on the same night. And Samantha overhears the couple next door moaning and decides to outdo them uh the fuck buddy aired on september 5th 1999 it was written by darren Starr, directed by alan taylor uh who would go on to direct many episodes of the sopranos and and the like um vulture's ranking of this has it at number 87 of 96 episodes they don't think particularly highly of this episode unfortunately but i do think that thematically i one of the great things about this show, I think, or at least covering this show, um, is how sort of brazenly they say their themes, right? Like yeah. Carrie literally says it as she's typing it into a computer. Yeah. Very Doogie Hauser in that respect. Yeah, yeah. But um, so the theme of this episode is, you know, whether we're stuck in patterns and if we keep dating the same person over and over again and, and whether or not you can break those patterns. Um, I think it's an interesting theme. I don't know that it's necessarily explored to the best of everybody's abilities, no. but it's an interesting theme. Some storylines yeah. work better than others. Um, it also is interesting too. So, and I'm sure you know this, but to some of our listeners, maybe they don't, but you know, so Darren Starr creates the show. He brings in obviously a bunch of writers, one of which is Michael Patrick King, who eventually takes over the show himself. But for these first sort of two and a half, three seasons or so, Darren Starr is a pretty significant voice in the show. That being said, this episode feels very reminiscent of season one in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. You've got Skipper coming back. This is the last time we see him. you got that nonsense of people talking on the street to the camera, yeah. which I, I don't know why anybody thought that was a good idea. Um, so there's a little there's, – there's sort of a tonal shift, which at this point in the season, and I would say in the series, felt a little bit regressive, <laughs> yeah. um, which is unfortunate. Um but, uh, I mean, what did you think of, I mean, I, I want to sort of take each storyline, sort of take them out mm-hmm. individually and kind of walk through them individually. Um, we'll leave Carrie, uh, for the end because she's, you know, she's the protagonist, but I, yeah. I, I think that the, the Miranda storyline was the one that I thought was pretty upsetting. <laughs> um, I didn't, I didn't really, I mean, Miranda continues. She seems to be, if, if there's a character that's in abusive relationships the most, is Miranda, which is yeah. somewhat depressing. Yeah. Um, but this guy is such a raging asshole. She's dating this lawyer who's who's yells at her and is sort of belittling to her and to other people. Um, and And sort of the pattern being that Miranda needs to get out of these abusive relationships, which, I mean, obviously I agree with that. But I don't know. It was a strange way to go about it. What did you think of this storyline? Yeah, I you're right. I, now that I'm thinking about it, Miranda really gets the short end of the stick with men on the show. I, she tends to date these like really aggressive, just icky men, except for Steve. Yeah, Steve's um, the best. Yeah. You know, and Steve, Steve is great and he's so against type, which is I think why she's probably attracted to him in the first place mm-hmm. is it's just he's so opposite from everything um yeah it's like for me I just can't figure out why you know why she would be so attracted to to him I do understand um I guess I understand the the idea of like you know she's attracted to to what happens in the sex, right? That she likes being told what to do. Um that's the only place she likes being ordered around and that I you know that makes sense for what I know about you know what people are like in the outside world versus what they tend to prefer inside the bedroom um you know psychologically whatever but um 
yeah, it's just, it's not great. And you would think that somebody, Miranda really, to me, always seems like the most feminist on the show in a lot of ways. And so for her to be constantly stuck with guys like this over and over again, it's like, what's not clicking, sister? Yeah, it's, it's, no, there's definitely a contradiction there um, to some degree, which, which, by the way, I, I, I certainly wouldn't suggest uh, isn't possible because there's any yeah. number of sort of independently minded people that find themselves in, in sort of, I don't want to say, say submissive relationships, but being submissive to a person to some degree or another. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, so there is sort of that, the, the contradiction of it that makes her human, which doesn't necessarily bother me. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, it's just there was one moment that really kind of irked me, which was uh, about mid episode. She invites the, the uh, her friends to meet uh, her boyfriend. I think his name's mm-hmm. Kevin, um, yeah. and he shows up, kind of barking orders at the waitress as he goes to make a phone call. And she puts a beer down that's a little full, and it kind of spills mm-hmm. over. Yeah, and then yeah, Miranda yeah. like grabs a napkin and like starts to clean it up. And Carrie's like, what are you doing? She's like, I just don't want him to go off on the waitress. That to me was just like, like that felt like real sort of, there's like, he's, he's, he's burrowed a fear into her and Mm -hmm. that's, that's not okay. Yeah. It's one of those real red flags of like, uh, you know, nine times out of 10 verbal abuse turns into physical abuse. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if she's doing this now, what's, what's going to happen, you know, when that verbal, verbal abuse takes a turn. And luckily we never get to that point and she Mm -hmm. gets, gets out of it. But yeah, it's like, it's like, that's the, this one kind of like really dark moment in this episode. That's just kind of like a throwaway. And it's almost like, that's the more, that's like the more uh, interesting and I, I guess interesting is not the word. That's like the bigger pattern yeah. that needs to be yeah. broken. That is not really, um, it's sort of hinted at otherwise mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, he's an asshole and she needs to like stand up for herself and leave him, which she does. But like, thankfully. Yeah, no, it's, it, I mean, you definitely get the impression, especially sort of, you know, as, as the, as the storyline comes to a close, basically Miranda spends the entire storyline telling her friends, like, don't worry, don't worry. He's about to get promoted. And when he gets promoted, he's going to really chill out. I'm convinced that that's going to happen. He gets promoted and he's just as much of an asshole on the other side of his promotion as he was before. And that's when Miranda's like, fuck it, I'm saving myself. I'm getting the fuck out. Um, and, and, you know, and then there's this weird kind of tag on the end of it where it's like she's feeling really good about herself and she bumps into Skipper out in the yeah. street who who is still like pissed off at her from when she dumped him. But she's feeling good about herself and then the way he treats her makes her think that he's attractive again. It, it's the, – the the Skipper wedge into this episode feels completely superfluous to me. Like it, it gets us – it gets us literally nothing – except for this little weird button on the end of Miranda's storyline to be like, oh, Miranda hasn't learned anything, which is weird. Like, it's all just sort of like, we didn't need this guy. Why did you shoehorn him into the episode, especially this deep in the series when we've long forgotten about this character? So it was, it was odd, but yeah. And and Skipper wasn't ever really that interesting to begin with. Um, And so, yeah, I didn't, I don't really understand the bookending of, of skipper on the episode it's just unless it's supposed to be like oh maybe maybe she was the kevin to him like Mm -hmm. it just it doesn't really it's just i mean yeah you know. Well, there's it's you know it's funny you you talk about skipper or we're sort of talking about skipper who's a character who i mean listen i am i i am i have been i'm sure i will continue to be the friend too many uh women that don't see me as as anything more than a friend which is completely mm-hmm. fine um and and i think that there's there you know the the idea of the nice guy who's searching for all that sort of stuff i think that's an interesting character and i think that's an interesting character for carrie to have in her life yeah. it's just the way they paint him the mm-hmm. way they write him and quite frankly the way they cast him as this kind of very nebbishy sort of spineless quite frankly personalityless character um is just sort of that's why he was phased out because they just they just never figured out a way to make him interesting. My assumption is that he was going to be perhaps Miranda's endgame 
which thankfully mm. he wasn't because Steve came into the equation. But like that idea of a character that sort of has to figure it out and figure out himself and get his spine and, you know, build yeah. him up to a place that he's worthy of Miranda. I could sort of see a version of that. I'm thankful that didn't happen, but like, I think that's what the, the I think that's what the goal was. But um, the other Miranda thing that I wanted to ask you about is, is an outfit that she's wearing in the park. Ah, yes. My boyfriend literally looked at me and he was like, what is, is she wearing? What what is this? And she's I was wearing like, like a windbreaker. Yeah, that she puts the hood up, hood up. and puts a hat yeah. over the hoodie part. Of it. it's, it's, it's like probably in the list of like weird it's Sex so in the City outfits. I'm like, I I mean, I understand your ears being cold. I you know <laughs> I ha- I have worn some weird outfits in New York City on very cold days, but sure. like. I, yeah, even I was like, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know what this outfit is either. Like, I, like what, what was the purpose? Did she not uh, like, oh, she should have just I, worn one of those, like, I have one that's like the, the fleece thing that cover, just covers your ears. But it, yeah, it's like the, it's the hood, the windbreaker hood with the hat on top. So she looks like this, like, I think oh. my boyfriend described her as like, some kind of medieval cleric or something. He was like, why does she look like this? He was like, do you know, women dress like this? No, no. It's, it's funny because what I immediately thought, and this is just me being like having been on shows before, my immediate thought was, because I've had actors that like don't like their hair on a certain day. Yeah. So they're like, can I wear a hat in this scene? And nine times out of 10, nine times, 99.9% of the time are like, no, like yeah. we're not. But like, it made me think like, did Cynthia Nixon just hate her hair that day and was like, fuck it. Can I just put this hood and a hat over it or something? Cause like, it just looks so crazy to me, but I, I really don't know what that was all about. Yeah, but it's so bizarre. It's, it's really bizarre. Um, So in this scene, we have uh, our, 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 Carrie and co are at a park and they're talking about patterns They're They're talking about, you know, breaking patterns. And then I think, I don't know which one of them says, I think, Oh, I think Miranda says to Charlotte, your pattern's very obvious. You're always wanting everything to be perfect. And then it blows up in your face. And then, um, I think it's, I think it's Samantha that suggests Charlotte date a couple guys at once to take the pressure off, Mm -hmm. which leads us down her storyline, which is, it's a little light in the sense that I kind of wish that she got one more beat in the story because it feels Mm -hmm. a little bit like, because she goes to yoga, there's a yoga scene where they're all talking about um, fuck buddies and Charlotte's like, what's a fuck buddy? Because someone needs to explain it to her, I guess. Um, And then at that yoga class, she meets a guy and she asks him out, which I guess Charlotte's never asked out a guy before. And the look on her face is adorable where she just feels like she's like, the world is her oyster now and anything's possible. Um, so she asks this guy out and then we don't really see Charlotte again until she goes on the date with this guy. And, and the storyline kind of really kind of wraps itself up a little bit too quickly in order for it to really kind of resonate. But what did you think of, of, of the idea of, and I guess the the other question would be, have you ever dated, uh, more than one person at one time. I personally have not. No, because I'm too much of a freak about dating one person at a time. I'm (laughs) I'm too much like, Oh my God, I'm going to screw this up. No, this, this actually, this was the storyline that I turned to my boyfriend and I said, I was like, this causes me so much anxiety. I was like, like I felt when he and I first started dating, I went on like two dates in one week, one date with, him, which was at the end of the week. And I went on a different date with someone else at the beginning of the week. And then, you know, things worked out, but like, sure, sure. um, but even that was stressful enough to me because I was like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm betraying one person, yeah. you know, <laughs> while I'm with this person, you know, it's, it yeah. feels like a betrayal either way. So yeah. like the idea of not only dating two people at the same time, um, because I am unfortunately deeply monogamous, um, but but like I don't know that that's an unfortunate thing. No, but you know, it's like I just I'm not I I'm really not a casual dater and that's that's God knows I've tried to be and I'm just not. So True. um but the idea of dating like two people at once and not just two people at once but literally two dates in the same night 
makes my like makes me want yeah. to break out into hives. Yeah. It is yeah. it's so stressful and especially the logistics of going on two dates in one night in New York City. It's like, well, you have to be a rich person to do this because you'd have to take a cab to both dates or you're doing them in the same neighborhood, which is risky. I don't even like having multiple plans in an evening like with no like just just because i already feel like uh like i'm not really gonna enjoy either of them because i'm gonna be thinking about the other one the whole fucking time like yeah anyway that's just that's just well and anymore this was my this is my only plan tonight because what are we doing now <laughs> nothing well that i mean pandemic yeah. aside the, the pandemic is no yeah it's it's just deeply stressful and um it's also like it's such a in my view, it's such a bad idea because then you really are shortchanging both people, yeah. but also yourself because yeah. Charlotte really does click with the first guy and she's really enjoying it. And that's what causes yeah. her to be late to mm-hmm. the second day. Mm-hmm. You know, and let's, if, I mean, if we're being real between these two guys as well, like one guy seems, you know, he seems like a nice guy. He seems pretty, you know, grounded. They chat a little bit about like old television shows and yeah. she asked about fucking kids on the first day which, which is its own it, thing yeah so. but but like they seem to have like they have a nice thing going and then she realizes what time it is she's like oh fuck i'm gonna be late for this other thing so she just lies to him and says that she's sick which comes out of nowhere which anyone with a brain would be like well that's suspect but she then says i had a really good time whatever she then goes out with this other guy who's like this i don't know this like six foot tall he looks like a linebacker he's like works in stocks or some shit like or business or whatever and i'm just like yeah. this guy seems far less interesting to me this guy oh gets the kiss however this guy gets to like walk her to her door yeah and then the other guy walks out and he, he had brought her chicken soup which again like nice guy was concerned about her whatever um and then both guys are like this is fucked up and they both decide to share a cab and take off which is an understandable reaction just to be clear like i if i yeah, was a guy sure. and i mean it'd be like whatever but it's also just sort of like it's kind of a like shrug of an ending to the storyline a little bit like it doesn't like, what has Charlotte learned from this? What has anybody learned from this? Like, what were we really right. doing? It was all kind of pointless. It, it seems like she, you know, she's she's embarrassed. She's horrified. I think it just reiterates that, like, Samantha is not always the best person for her to get advice from because they are such opposites. And also, yeah. Samantha would have planned that completely differently. A hundred percent. But, yeah, I think and, it yeah. just reiterates that they're, like, they typify such different things that maybe charlotte's like oh god like i can't ever do this again and also Mm -hmm. that these two men are like they are different um but the second one is so boring like you know it's yeah it's 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 a it's interesting because ultimately i think that all of these storylines for the most part are interesting they just don't dig particularly yeah they don't just kind of yeah they just kind of sit on the surface of like uh hijinksy like they feel very kind Mm -hmm. of you know what i mean like they don't don't feel like they're actually like digging into the character really um and it's 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 perhaps the most kind of the the samantha storyline is the one that feels the most kind of like you really got to twist yourself into pretzels for this one to fit theme because it's just sort of like so Samantha's hearing overhears her neighbors having sex. So then she starts to masturbate while listening to them. Then like there's like a knock on the wall as like an acknowledgement of each other. Then she gets it's it's insane. Then yeah. and she gets like a note from them saying like, "Hey, we'd love you to join us tonight." Mm-hmm. Sure. And like which is which all of this is insane, but like in a Samantha storyline you're like, "Okay, I'll kind of buy it." Yeah. Um, then she goes to their house, knocks or their apartment, knocks on their door. They're an older middle, like Middle Eastern couple, um, that she's not attracted to, which is a little mean. And then she's like, can you please keep it down? And then she like moves her bed away from the wall or whatever. Um, hi, this is Craig Robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I don't really know how this fits on theme. I don't really know how this is about like patterns or breaking patterns. They try to like shoehorn this like wall metaphor into it. But like, I don't really, yeah. I'm just not buying it. It's not really working for me. It's also like, I think a little cruel in that like you know i mean because when she finally goes and knocks on the door Mm -hmm. the couple does she's assumed that they're this like hot hot couple hot sexy couple um but they are because they're clearly having like really good sex um but they are this what they're from like eastern Europe or I I can't even I don't remember where they're from but it's like they're they're not they would by all Mm -hmm. accounts be considered schlubby or something next to Samantha and it's just kind of you know this is one of those parts of sex in the city where I'm like I feel like we've evolved past that enough where we can say like you know people are less shallow I think about that where it's like, well, these people are having good sex. So like, why wouldn't you, you know, if that's your thing, why wouldn't you want to go join them? Because clearly something's going well over here. That's got you turned on enough to actually consider mm-hmm. taking them. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Cause I feel like, so two things bump me about the storyline. Um, so I'd like to unpack both of them with you. The first is what you're talking about here, which is you almost wish that this couple was like in their 70s or 80s or something, right? Like they were they're they're significantly older, not to yeah. be ageist, but like that that was the thing that kind of made Samantha go like, okay, this isn't for me. Yeah. But it's that they're that to your point, they're schlubbier, um, they're 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 of they're diverse. They're of a minority, mm-hmm. um, so that her reaction of dragging her bed away from the wall, as though she's repulsed by what's transpired, yeah. is not okay with me. Um, the second thing that bumped me, and it bumped me for two reasons. The first was um, the writer in me was like, "Why is there a janitor in the hallway vacuuming the hallway <laughs> right. that she just coincidentally bumps into?" And is like, "Hey, Mister, do you know that couple?" Yeah. And of course, this person is also, I mean, I want to say Mexican or some sort of there's there, there's some yeah. kind of diverse component to this person. He's there's a there's a language barrier at the very least. And he's like, yes, they seem nice. And you're just like, but what? Like, why do we need any of this? Like, you don't need this guy. Like, her knocking on the door and the reveal of the couple, whatever they might very well look like, that's the joke. I don't need the janitor character to, like, It's Yeah, it's like putting the hat on a hat, right? It's It's the putting the hat on a hat because you don't really need him to be like, to be like, oh, yeah, they're nice looking. Yeah, um... She's a dancer. He's a musician. So it's like it's like building the joke, but the joke's already there. Yes, even though it's like yes. it's not. It's supposed it's to not be a funny. Good joke. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be funny, but ultimately, like rewatching this, I was like, but this is like not funny. Like, like if if you want to have sex with them, go have sex with them because like they're doing yeah. it for you. But it shouldn't be based on what they look like. Like if yeah. if you want, like to me, it's like. The joke, and again, this is the shitty pitch, but, like, the joke is to just go farther with it. Like, they're dressed up in costumes or they're doing some sort of cosplay or they're doing something, you know what I mean? Like, something so absurd that, you know what I mean, That, that, that in theory this janitor character could tee up as well. Like, it's kind of there. It's just they don't really land the joke. It comes across as kind of mean-spirited and a little racist. Like, it all just doesn't really gel. Um, Even though, like, the reveal and the joke 
it's a total Samantha storyline in the fact that like there's something Samantha's the only character on the show that would go knock on the on this couple's door mm-hmm. and actually entertain the possibility of engaging in a threesome with them. So I understand why you go there. It's just it doesn't necessarily it just this was not the way to execute the storyline. Right. And I mean, we know that like Samantha can be shallow. We know that she mm-hmm. she, she is not always a nice person. She's a provocateur. Yeah. She's going to mm-hmm. do all of those mm-hmm. kinds of things. But it, sure, yeah, it, sure. but it's kind of like what what was the lesson? Cuz I don't think what she was the learned it. Indeed? It was just to move her bed away from the wall. It was it just it was it, feng shui. It, it kind of was. It's a very strange. <laughs> um, so our our final storyline is Carrie's storyline, um, which is is pretty. It's a pretty straight line. Um, but you know, in these post sort of big episodes where you know she broke up with Big a, f- a few weeks ago, and now it's like she's sort of back in the back in the dating scene, but at the same time, um, still feeling the emotional fallout of the breakup. So I I appreciate that they're kind of like not giving her particularly substantive storylines, which is fine. Like they're keeping it light because they know that at the end of the season, she's going to get this gut punch of, of big being engaged and married or whatever it is. Um, so this storyline for her essentially is she's also thinking about patterns. She's thinking about things, whatever. Uh, and she decides to kind of, I mean, it's essentially a booty call um, of her friend, John uh, played by Dean Winters. As we mentioned earlier, she invites him over for drinks at her place. Um, But these drinks are kind of non-existent and they both have post-sex plans. Like he literally comes over, they know they're going to have sex and then they're going to go their separate ways and they're going to enjoy their evening, Um, which is kind of funny. Uh, and, And, and in a, somewhat unbelievable way there is something humorous to it um i appreciate that they both have nothing to say to each other that all they really have is sex um their sort of post-coital pillow talk is mixed with a bunch of things that she doesn't remember and that right. he doesn't remember um and and carrie starts to wonder if john could be something more since she always goes to him after breakups so she tries to like turn her fuck buddy into a real relationship um you know, I, I wouldn't say that I've necessarily done anything this straightforward, but I certainly think that we've all had perhaps relationships or people that we have in our life that we weren't thinking could be someone and then try them on and realize there's a reason why we never thought of that person that way. Yeah, yeah, for Which sure. Feels- um, yeah, the, this is certainly, I think, relatable to me in in that way. Um because yeah, I think there's always, there's always like one, you always have like one or two people that you're like, well, you know, what if we seem to have a good, we have a good rapport, things really, things really work, but in a very limited um, aspect. And then, uh, but I'm kind of the person that usually I know that there's probably a reason it's not working and it's just because I'm like oh no I actually can't stand you for longer than (laughs) this amount of time but uh, sure sure but yeah I think I think this one is probably the storyline that feels like the most um it's obviously the most on theme because it is the theme but like Mm -hmm. it it does feel like it's the most thought out in terms of um you know, who this guy is and, and those specifics of like, yeah, uh, you know, when you're only seeing a person every however many months, you're bound to forget these little details. It's like they're right there, but you can't, you can't remember them. Um, and, and, and he is a really good choice. I think Dean yeah, Winters starts, is a good, is yeah. a good choice for this particular character because and this is no offense to him i think he has like he just has like the face and the demeanor of someone who i can very much believe is like an amiable guy that you're gonna get a drink with and go sleep with and you won't see him again for like Mm -hmm. six months eight months you know Mm -hmm. whatever he's he you know, it's it's funny because it does feel like Dean Winters, for all intents and purposes, has played variations of this character through most of his career. He's very um, good at it. Yeah, he is very good at it. I would the only thing I would take out of the equation is Oz, which where he played a very different <laughs> type of person. Um, 
but I, but I do think that like this Thirty Rock and uh, and SVU all sort of he falls into the category of um, nice fit guy who is dumb, <laughs> mm-hmm. but like but funny. Um, yeah, it, it's like for instance, so he goes, so then John goes over, uh, he goes over to her house, goes over to Carrie's house. She asks him out to dinner. He goes there and he's like, yeah, dinner. He thinks it's just, again, like another ploy. But then when he tries to have sex with her, she's like, no, no, no. I made like reservations like to get sushi. And then there's like a half-hearted weird like sushi sex joke that never lands there. Yeah. yeah. Where he makes some sort of it. And she's like, no, no, no. I mean actual dinner. Right. Which is kind of strange. Um, they, they go on this date. It's a terrible date because they have nothing in common. He works in like ad time or, or cell phone time or something like that. And she's bored and he's bored. And then they go back to her place to have sex to just kind of rid themselves of the notions of what happened on this date. Um, and, and the, <laughs> the storyline ends with what I kind of love about the storyline is, uh, they're walking to her apartment at the, at the end and she's walking down this beautiful street that she lives on. Like you said, that she would never be able to afford. Um, and she's talking about the beauty of her street and how it makes her think of Edith Wharton and Henry James. And then he says that her tits look great in the dress that she's wearing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah, that's, I mean, that is, it's great. It, it made me laugh, yeah. but, but yeah, you're like, these two are just not meant to be together and that's fine. Right. And it's, you know, it's because like also Liz, Liz Lemon would say stuff and he would have no idea what she's saying. Yeah. And the the Carrie story is relatable to me because I just remembered that, I don't know, God, it was probably like eight years ago or something. I had a date with a guy and we went and got sushi and it was like the most boring conversation. (laughs) And like his brother, he was telling me about how his brother like managed a CVS or something. And I had to pretend to be interested in this. So this whole time that you're talking about this, I was like, Oh my God. Right. Yeah. I, I have been on that date. Um, It did not, it, all it ended with was a goodbye. We didn't go anywhere. Uh, no, we, I think we've all been on on the God. date where you're just like, listen, this person's nice. I have nothing against this person, but I can't spend much more time with this person. Yeah, I was like, I mean, let me just pull this conversation out. And well, granted, I'll like, talk to anyone, but oh. but it's it's so the last scene basically they have this moment where Carrie's like, I'd invite you up, but and he's like, no, 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 I got to be up yeah. early, and they both yeah. kind of acknowledge. What I like about it too is that like, and this is sort of, this is where Sex and the City excels, which is that, um, you know, in, in a world, in a television landscape where you had Seinfeld and Friends and Frasier and all these shows on at the time, all these big hit broadcast television shows, they very infrequently would have a moment where, like at the end of this episode, where John and Carrie look at each other and there's a, a a silent acknowledgement that this is the last time they're mm-hmm. going to see each other. There's there's yeah. kind of this, I don't want to say a, a wistful or sadness to it, but like there's something there where the show acknowledges that there's a depth here and there's a moment here. And then Carrie goes into her apartment and that's the end. Right. Most of these other sitcoms that are on at the time, they're just not going to go there, right? Like there's no reason for them to, for the most part. Um, they're joke machines. Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but like this show, and, and it's the reason that I think that this show continues to hold up even if we've just spent you know 45 minutes talking about some of the things that didn't work by and large this show you know it went there it took those risks to allow these characters to seem messy and broken and 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 um flailing about in love i I think that that's why it's special yeah i i agree that um i think when it gets it right it like really gets it right and for all of its you know foibles i think looking at it from a 2021 lens now where we're just way more evolved on a lot of issues um you know for all all of these foibles i think like when it when the show gets it right it really gets it right and and it does often have a lot of bittersweet moments that ring very true and do feel really earned those tend to be given to Carrie of course um but you know I I think Miranda gets a lot of those because she really Mm -hmm. has such a a rough road for a long time but it does you're right it goes there 
it dares to go there. For sure, for sure. I mean, I think that it, I mean, one of the things that I think, again, one of the many reasons why I think the show has stood the test of time to some degree or another, putting aside, you know, as you said, many things that we've progressed on. I mean, this show pushed the ball down the field in ways that many shows hadn't up until that time. So at the time, this show was quite progressive. Um, Obviously, We've we've changed, we've matured to some degree. We did elect Donald Trump, so there's that. Right. But we've yeah. we've we have, you know. Uh but 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 it is interesting to to your point, you know, Carrie gets most of those bittersweet moments, right? Carrie's the protagonist, she's gonna get most of them. But I do think that each character does get an opportunity. I mean, Charlotte has has a significant growth as a character. When you see where oh, she yeah. starts from and where she ends, it's really interesting. I'd say that Samantha has a real growth. Uh they throw that away in the movies for the most part, but they do have <laughs> Yeah. You know, she does end in a place where she's, you know, looking at her mortality and dealing with, you know, dealing with breast cancer and dealing with things that that are heavy issues, obviously, um, and important issues. So it, it it is a show that 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 slowly but surely went there, and I think that that's that's why you know one of the reasons why I think it's special. I think that you know. In an episode called The Fuck Buddy, they don't really necessarily go to the depths that, that they do deeper in series. But to end on such a bittersweet moment, like you just mentioned, um, shows that like it always wants to try something. It always wants to go a little bit, you know, a little farther than 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 the show would otherwise. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I have been asking all of my guests who their favorite character on Sex of the City is and why. So, Emmy, it is your turn to answer that question. Um, well, I've been thinking about this because it's, it's hard for me. There there's, I like a lot of these like incidental characters that pop, pop up. You know, I, I like John Slattery's politician that wants, uh, Carrie to, to pee, pee on him. him. I, that's mostly because I just love John Slattery in anything, anytime. Um, did you, speaking of John Slattery, since you brought him up, did you yeah. think that Carrie destroying his political career was a somewhat overreaction? To what For I sure. Like, I mean, it's like kink shaming him by literally destroying his chances at off is like, that's, that's a little, it's a little far. Um, no, I mean, I think one character that I always loved uh, when she would pop up is I love Candace Bergen's um, oh, she's great. Vogue yeah. editor. I like yeah. her, her journey whenever she, she appears. I like that. She like dates Wallace Shawn at one point. She and ends like, up with Wallace Shawn. Yeah. And, and um, you know, she's, she's just a lot of fun. So that, and mm-hmm. of course I love, you know, when there's the party and, Kristen Johnson falls out the window. I mean, if I really had to pick a favorite, I love her. She's the best. Dearly. What happened Um, to fun? What happened to fun? And then she falls out the window. (laughs) I mean, if ever there was a great, like a greatest moment on the show, I think that's probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen on TV. And it's because Kristen Johnson is is perfect. You know, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, the, Candace Bergen is is tremendous uh, and and has been basically her entire career. I don't yeah, know if you've watched sure. uh, Let Them All Talk yet, the um, Soderbergh. No, and- I haven't. I haven't gotten to it yet. You should but- watch it. It's really really good, and she's she's tremendous in it. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's you know at the beginning before we get on mic as as I did obviously with you, I say you know at the end of the episode I'm going to ask you what your favorite character is, um, and I preface it by saying like you can you can pick one of the four leads if you want, but like the bench is so deep on this show. Yeah. Like you can't, like, that's what I love about it is, you know, we've done 14 episodes so far and each week someone's picking someone new and some sort of new little, I mean, no one's talked about Candace Bergen yet, who is a, a standout on the show. Um, it's, it's, and this, this comes back to sort of, um, you know, the legacy of this show, right? Like it's what, what it leaves behind is, you know, Justin throw showing up twice <laughs> as two right. different people, um, you know, so it's, it's like it's, a law and order, I think, in that way, where it's like, you know, a lot of it's all these great New York actors that just they show up, you know, they've done every possible spinoff of law and order. And then they all were on Sex in the City. And it's it's like so much fun to watch, rewatch these episodes and be like, oh, my God, that's yeah, it's Justin Thoreau. And then, you you know, like it's, it's Timothy yeah, Olyphant. It's, just, it's, it's, it's whoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's really fun, you know, and, and then there was like, Bradley Cooper in his first his first role. And by the way, 
great in it. But I mean, like it's yeah. it's really it's it's a it is a great show in in the people that sort of pop up in roles that you wouldn't expect them to. I mean, Heather Graham showing up as Heather Graham, but still like people that just pop up here and there. It's it is it's a it's a really fun show and, and it's a really fun universe. And you know, I talked about this, I, I don't remember what episode it was, and I need to hear your thoughts on this as well. But with the revival looming um and and the potential of of maybe even seeing it by the end of this year um you know i've talked about the carrie diaries a little bit which i really thought was a sweet show even if Mm. if it's probably not canonical uh because it breaks all sorts of rules of backstory and what have you but that's neither here nor there um i thought it was a really sweet show i thought it was really well cast and and i keep coming back in my head thinking like there is a there is a Carrie universe. There is a there's a Sex and the City universe that could very well be sort of turned into other spinoffs and other things if they choose to do that. If HBO Max uh, and the and the powers that be decide to go there, um, for this exact reason. I mean, I would watch a show about Candace Bergen's character. I would watch a show about. I mean, and when yeah. I say a show, I mean six, eight episodes. You know, whatever the case might be, yeah. a limited. But like, there's ways to do stuff with this um, with this bench that that I hope that they do, and I hope that it doesn't just feel like a cash grab. But what are your thoughts on this revival that's that's coming our way? Um, well, I mean, it's, <laughs> God. well, if you, you couldn't know, tell from the it, sigh it, that Emmy just gave. It, I don't really think it's necessary. I think, like, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that there are obviously so many stories to tell about women over the age of fifty, and we need to be telling them and. Um, that's why I'm always like, listen, book club is not a great movie, but will I watch book club multiple times for the deranged Photoshop? Yes, I will. And for Candace Bergen. Yes, I will. Um, but like, I don't know that it's necessary. I feel like we have told uh, like so many of these stories, especially after the two movies, the second of one, the second one, second of which I have not seen all the way through. I always wind up seeing like part of it on TV and it's like always the same part. And I never quite make it past that. I'm in it for Liza Minnelli. I love it. Um, But I, it's like, I don't need it. Um, The first movie was fine. Um, You know, like I'm always happy to see these actresses. I don't know how they're going to do a show without Samantha unless they like kill her off. Um, because she is like the sex of sex in the city. Um, and it's also, it's, you know, I think again in like 2021, do we need like, do we need these like predominantly wealthy white women on our TV screens every week when there are so many other kinds of stories that HBO has started to, you know, to tell when you have people like Issa Rae and Michaela Cole. I mean, it's like, I don't, you know, on one hand, like I see the value and I think we need to, to continue telling stories about women who no longer are 25 and gorgeous, but like on the other, I just, I don't know if we need it, but I might watch it. Oh, you're a hundred percent going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Unfortunately. I I mean, my feeling on it um, ultimately is, I agree. Um, we don't need this for sure. Um, I, I would say that I would be slightly disappointed if the last time I saw these characters was in the second movie because <laughs> I, I have issues with the second movie. Um, you know, the, the idea that, that the last time we see Samantha is in a film where she says the line Lawrence of my labia. Oh my God. So like, yeah, no, we don't need that. I just, like, we oh. just, I would love to, I would love for them to do their, to, to, I, you know, I've said this on previous episodes, so I apologize for repeating it to our listeners, but I'll just say quickly that I feel like the, the strength of this show was in 22, 25 minute segments um, and it was intimate and it was small stories and they were quick yeah. bites. Um, and, and that's why the show is so addictive and easy to binge. Yeah. Um, it's just it's it, it just works really well in that setting. And when you give them one hundred and fifty, two hundred million dollars and you blow the scope open and you blow the production open, all of a sudden you start to realize like, wait, what exactly am I am I watching now? Like what what exactly is this show really or are these movies really about? So I, I'm I am excited perhaps 
stupidly, but I'm excited to see them get back to the small screen to tell us these smaller stories, hopefully to, to, to get to a place where hopefully they explore what you were talking about earlier about getting older, what it means to be a, you know, a woman in your fifties and, and, you know, could the, could the vacuum of Samantha actually be a good story engine and whether or not that could create stories as, you know, possibly who knows. Um, I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic, even though, I'm pretty convinced that it's probably going to be an opportunity to get more people to watch HBO Max and that it's, yeah. you know, so there's, there is that, but I, you know, again, I'm going to just try to stay open-minded about it, right. but I agree with you. We don't necessarily need it. Well, it's like, you know, it's like the Downton Abbey movie. Like I love Downton Abbey. Um, mm-hmm. and I loved seeing what they could do with a lot more money and how they opened sure. things up. But also it's like, was any of this necessary? No. What works so well about it is that you're getting these like 50 minute episodes and you're getting there. It's essentially, you know, just like a high soap opera. And that's yeah. what I want to, you know, that's what I want to watch. Will I watch more Downton Abbey movies? Yeah. Because uh, you know, it's gentle. But I drama. Say, that's what I want, you know, my, and my I will watch is- more Sex in the City. My roommate is obsessed with with Downton Abbey as well, um, and she said that the movie was quite good. Yeah, like I enjoyed was, it. You know, so you know, it, it had it had just enough stakes to feel like yes, we could tell this on a big screen. Also, we could have told it on a small screen on a special the movie. Queen's on coming to dinner. What right. are we going to do? The Queen's coming to dinner. What are we going to do? That's the big issue. Is the Queen is coming to a dinner? You know, but but I, I mean, I think yeah, I like look. I think Sex in the City could if they dare to go there, I think they could really do some interesting things with these women. Um, as I think Bridget Jones attempted to do mm-hmm. with, um, especially with their third sequel with Bridget Jones's baby, which I actually liked quite a bit. And I thought, um, I thought they really matured the character in very mm-hmm. smart ways. And I think that there is an opportunity to do that with these Women, um, I think yeah, I'm sighing a lot because it's also because it's Darren Starr and and yeah. he will always go for a Lawrence of Mylabia joke. Versus well, it's not Darren Starr. It is Michael Patrick yeah. King. So Darren Starr is busy doing Emily and Perry. So and Darren Starr has, yeah. has, and you know, probably younger. So, I mean, and again, listen, it's, it's very, very hard when you're working on a television show that people love because you just want desperately to keep people loving those characters. Right. And yet at the same time as a writer on some level, you're just like, but I just don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. So you take swings and sometimes those connect and sometimes they don't. And I don't necessarily begrudge that Michael Patrick King wanted to make the second movie about what he wanted to make it about. Sure. I just think that ultimately, you know, it was just, it was just too overproduced for my liking and and there was just, I had issues with it, but you know, I, I think that, I'm curious to see what this looks like. I'm very curious to see if they decide to try to say something with 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 Samantha's absence, or if they just try to sweep it under the rug and just th- yeah. it's a throwaway line. If it's a throwaway line, I think that's leaving money on the table and it's a wasted opportunity. But you know, we'll see what they right. do. Right. I mean, and if worse comes to worse, my suggestion is that they somehow bring in. Uh, the two women from AbFab in the UK, and they can they can fill the Samantha hole in the show, and you just have sure, sure, you know yeah. Eddie and Patsy <laughs> run around. You know, great, I'm I'm great. here for chaos. I want chaos. Apparently, yeah, no. you're the Joker of the Sex and the City franchise. <laughs> I guess so. You know, well, okay. Emmy, thank you so much for for coming on to talk about. Um, this episode to talk about the fuck buddy and uh, and to talk about sex in the city i really appreciate it and, and i hope that you'll uh, you'll come back in the future yeah we'd love to one last thing please rate review and subscribe uh speaking of subscribing check out our patreon on all the best films of 1989 batman when harry met sally fabulous baker boys indiana jones and the last crusade ghostbusters 2 field of dreams major league and many many more we are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like joanna robinson Liz Hanna, Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. 
For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. Also, please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's. Thank you to Ernie and Will for producing our episode, Sullivan for our social media, Yon Katas for our artwork and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.